Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Tuesday on Law and Gospel, August the 17th in the year of our Lord 2021. And what we do on Rumination Tuesdays is examine the hymn assigned for the coming Sunday, which is the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. And the hymn is, Lord, help us ever to retain. Now, that's about Luther's catechism. And Luther wrote that catechism in 1529. The author of our hymn, Ludwig Helmboldt, was born in 1532, three years after the publication of Luther's catechism. He was born in the town of Mühlhausen, which at that time was already committed to the Wittenberg Lutheran reform. Therefore, it's quite certain that his catechism education was conducted through his learning the texts of the small catechism and hearing sermons on it on Sunday afternoons in the catechetical services that were part of Lutheran church life at the time, every Sunday afternoon. Helmbolt's faith was therefore nourished on the content and rhythm of the catechism. Now, after completing his theological education at Erfurt, he ended up being engaged in the time in editing some of Luther's sermons for publication. Helmbolt became a school teacher and rector, and so his early years in service focused in a significant way on teaching Luther's catechism to his pupils in his hometown. The translator is Matthias Loy. He died in 1915, was a professor at the Ohio Synod Seminary in Columbus, and translated this hymn as part of his campaign to bring the rich hymn tradition of the German ancestors into the primary language of his native country. Loy, like almost all children of Lutheran immigrants around the world, had also been raised as had Helmbelt on Luther's catechism. So we get a real good understanding of Luther's catechism from not only this hymn, but particularly from the translation by Loy. So I want to ask our co-pastor, I'm Tom Baker, and with me on the line is Mark Smith. How do you like this hymn? Well, I like it, Tom. In fact, uh, I'm going to be concluding our service this Sunday with it. Yes, it's a, a great conclusion. What, what, what um, uh, reading are you going to be preaching from? Uh, Isaiah. Oh, yeah, Isaiah 29. Right. Yeah, about the people who draw near with their lips, but their hearts are away from God. Yes. And, you know, that's very close to the gospel where Jesus uh, says that the people are falling into traditions of men. 
yeah. rather than the word of God. Right. So those two, oftentimes the Old Testament lesson does relate to the gospel. Um, oh, yeah. In fact, in fact, I've been told uh, that's pretty much uh, a given. Uh, just about always you find the connection between the, the gospel and the Old Testament. There's a connection there somewhere. Uh, and uh, sometimes you even find that in the epistle. But the epistle may, the epistle may teach something uh, somewhat different. Yeah, the epistle is an ongoing reading. And right now it's from Ephesians. Right. And so that's kind of interesting. Uh, what we have, though, with both this Old Testament and gospel reading, it's one thing to talk about those traditions of the elders in Jesus' day that were getting in the way of the Bible's teachings, like that idea of Corbin is going to yes. have to be understood. And um, the thing I'm wondering about, are you going to be talking about perhaps traditions of the church today that get in the way of the Bible? No, in fact, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'll be, uh, my sermon isn't fully developed, but I'm going to be hitting, I'm going to be hitting hard on, on baptism. I've got a baptism after the, the late service, private baptism, and uh, I want, I want that message of baptism to be very strong. Yes. And that's, certainly, that's certainly part of the, part of the, uh, the catechism, isn't it? It's not only part of the catechism, but in many churches, like the Baptist church, it is not understood biblically. No, that's right. Yeah. And, and so that would pure, be... Baptism is pure gospel. Yes, but in their church, it's a tradition of men right. rather than the doctrine of Scripture. So that would yeah. be one example. Right. Um, you know what I'm going to preach on? I'd like to know, Yes. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Wives, submit to your own husbands. <laughs> now, yes. why do you laugh at that? <laughs> because what, what else should I have expected from you, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I should have guessed so much. <laughs> well, I know. And um, I'm going to make sure my wife is there. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> she already knows she already knows everything there is to know about that, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, in fact, um in a previous congregation, I've done about eight of them where I stay for a, a year, a year and a half until they get a pastor. I was asked to do a wedding. And so I met with the groomsmen in a room just before the wedding to give them explanation of how they come down the aisle, where they sit and all this kind uh -huh. of stuff. Uh -huh. And then I, I asked them, um, what should I preach on today? And the guys <laughs> said, Oh, you preach on whatever you need to. And I said, well, I'm thinking that it would be good to preach on Ephesians five wives submit to your own husbands. And they all laughed. And one of the guys said, yeah, it's about time they learned that. <laughs> and then another guy said, boy, I don't believe you're going to do that. Not for this yeah. marriage. <laughs> and so when I started the sermon, uh, that was my text. 
Uh-huh. So we had a lot of fun. Um, but One there thing is... I have learned. One thing I have learned in years of ministry is, you know, I don't know what it is about that word obey, but women do not like that word. Be subject to, okay. Submit to, okay. But obey is just, it's just not in their vocabulary at all. I do not like that word. Well, we don't want to get personal with your own wife here. <laughs> but my wife has no problem my, with it. My, my, my wife, my wife is, is, is fine with being subject to. <laughs> well, you'll have to hear the sermon. Yeah. And then she'll be okay with obey. Um, <laughs> I'll give you one very small thing. What is Paul describing that as? the marriage of the wife obeying the husband is Jesus yeah, it, obeying the father. Right, right, yeah. You got problems with Jesus' obedience? Not at all. Not so you shouldn't bit. have problems with the woman's <laughs> obedience. We're going to have fun in the sermon. Yeah, I bet uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm making sure you, you I better do have a, You better have a, a quick exit <laughs> after the service. <laughs> No, this is going to be a long Sunday because it's not only a worship service, it then is followed by a Bible study, and then I go over to the college church. They begin their worship services again uh, at the end of this summer, and they have a worship service at 11 o'clock over there. Well, that'll so be that'll be university students there, and that'll be an interesting sermon for them to hear. Oh, yes especially if it's a mixed group. <laughs> what, what do you mean mixed? I mean, I mean both genders. I know. All righty. Shepherd of tender youth. That's the hymn for this coming Sunday. And it's no. a sign for this Sunday. I, I'm sorry. Lord, help the, us. Ever Lord, to help retain. us ever to retain. <laughs> so why don't you read the first stanza? Lord, help us ever to retain the catechism's doctrine plain, as Luther taught the word of truth in simple style to tender youth. Now, that's a real criticism of the Lutheran Church, that we encourage people uh, not to retain what the Bible has to say, but to retain what the catechism has to say. How would you explain that? Well, I would say the catechism is, of course, it's, it's, it's one of our confessions. It's based entirely on the Word of God. Well said. In other words, it's an accurate summary of right. the Scripture. In fact, one of the reasons we go to the seminary was to see whether or not the Lutheran confessions are an accurate summary of God's Word. That's because right. Because when you get out in the ministry, as you're going to be doing this Sunday, you're not going to be starting with Genesis 1, verse 1. No. To explain the baptism, you're going to other verses. Yeah, in fact, uh, I look at, well, I, I don't know if you like this uh, metaphor, but I remember, I, I seem to remember some professor saying, yeah, uh, 
talking to us uh, students and saying, you know, when you come to the seminary, you're you're looking at the confessions and you're kind of like it's kind of like when you're you're looking over a car before you buy it. You kick at the tires and everything and make sure it's make sure it's in good shape and, and sound and everything. And we're doing that really with with the confessions. We're 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 coming at it from all angles and with our professors and we're and we're seeing if it really holds up under scriptural scrutiny. I think that's an excellent metaphor that details what the seminary is all about. But then you go ahead and you do the same thing in another part of the church. And what's that? You know, Tom, I just don't follow you. I don't know what you're saying. When you teach confirmation. Oh, yes, 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 sure, which we're going to start up in the, uh, in the fall. That's right. And see, that's one of the things that people want to know. Does the Lutheran teaching on the small catechism, is it really proper according to the Bible? And there's one thing I've often said, if, if you take a look, at the catechism, the main catechism, there is no passage there that is not a quote from Scripture. That's right. And so when Luther says, what does this mean? He brings in other Scriptures as to what it means. Like, thou shalt have no other gods before me. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. That's right. And then that's explained. And it really gets interesting. You see, I didn't realize this until I was doing a study here, but the Roman Catholic view of doing the catechism in Luther's day had a different order than Luther's order. It talked about love and the creed, and then it talked about the Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there is, uh, there's a method to the reason why those, uh, the six chief parts are ordered that way. And, uh, you know, the hymn follows that same order. You know, uh, first we, we look at God's law, and we realize our need for a Savior, and, then, and that's, and after... Uh, after after we we feel the brunt of God's law, we go to where the gospel is, and that's that's of course so evident in uh, in the creed. Yes, and and then and then we moved on to what we respond to that gospel in prayer. The Lord's prayer is the next is the third part, and uh, and so on. Those all six all six chief parts are covered in this hymn. And the answer to our prayer, the Lord's prayer is baptism in the Lord's Supper. That's right. So, the hymn is saying that this catechism doctrine is plain. That's really something that is important for a preacher, to take insights from the Bible that are in-depth and make it understandable to the people. Last week's uh, Old Testament lesson was about wisdom that gives insight. And, of course, the Pharisees didn't have proper insight. They rejected Christ as Lord. And so insight 
is helping the people in the congregation to see the real purpose of a text. What is God really trying to say? And that's why it's taught by Luther in simple style to tender youth. Simple doesn't mean it's simplicity and not that important. It means that it's understandable. Yes. All right. I'll read stanza two. Help us your holy law to learn, to mourn our sin and from it turn. In faith to you and to your Son and Holy Spirit, three in one. Now, I think that says something a lot of people don't recognize. In every other religion in the world, when they teach the law and mourn over their sin, then they are said that they need to turn to obedience to the law yeah. so that they can be saved. No, we turn to the gospel. When we, when what, we were brought to, our, brought to our knees by the law and, and we're, we're made to, re, to realize how lost we would be with, without, without the gospel, we turn to our Lord Jesus. We turn to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as evidenced in the creed and the good news of the gospel in Jesus the Christ. And it's not that we will not be doing good works. It's just that the real item there is turning in faith. See, it says that, and right. turn in faith, faith. Right. to you and to your son. What does in faith refer to then? Turn in, in faith to you. Well, that's re repentance and, uh, and, and belief in the gospel. Yes, belief clinging, in the promises. Clinging to the, clinging to the promises of, of God, right. Exactly, because it's in those promises that we find salvation. Yes. So that's really a good insight that Ludwig had here. And, of course, he got that from being taught Luther's catechism. Go ahead with stanza three, please. Hear us, dear Father, when we pray. There you've got the Lord's Prayer, of course. The Hear us, dear Father, when we pray for needed help from day to day, that as your children we may live whom you baptized and so received. So, so it, it moves from the Lord's Prayer to uh, baptism. Yes. Well, actually, it moves right from the commandments to the Lord's Prayer to baptism. That's right. Now, one of the things I teach when I do the Lord's Prayer, we're not really asking for anything that we haven't already received. Yeah. Like, forgive us our trespasses. Those already have been forgiven. Lead us not into evil. That's a promise from God. If you take a look at each of the phrases in the Lord's Prayer, you have promises to back it up. That's and right. so the Lord's Prayer is really a reminder to us and, of course, to God what he has promised for us. And then baptism is, of course, the result. 
And the if if I remember this right, Tom, the only there's only really one petition that has to do with uh, uh, worldly blessings, uh, and that's give us this day our daily bread. Yes, all what the does... others, all the others have to do with uh, uh, spiritual blessings. How do you explain bread as a secular blessing? Well, there's a whole definition. Daily bread is everything that we need for the for the wants of the body, the care and the wants of the body, such as how does it go? Food and drink, house and home, field, cattle, money, goods, pious wife, pious faithful children, good yes. uh, good weather, yes, discipline, honor, all these things. Now, there's something that I had not known but was told, and this is true, in every language. If you're walking down the street and somebody approaches you and whatever language they use and they ask, can I have some bread? You don't go into your pocket and give them a slice of bread. No. What is the bread referring to? Bread, bread means many things. But in that case, in that case, well, probably, uh, probably money in our in exactly. our own culture. Yeah. Yep. In fact, and, well, you don't use that term so much these. But I, I can remember a time. Hey, you got any bread? And they they mean uh, they mean money. But uh, of course, we I don't know if we really use that term that way as much anymore. But there was a time when when that was a very common use. Uh, uh, of the term bread for for money. Well, actually, you live in St. Louis, yes. and there are a number of intersections where you have people with hats out, and they're asking for bread. At least that's yes. what they say. So it is somewhat still used, but it's understood as referring to the money that they think they can buy these good things. And that's the difference that in the Lord's Prayer, bread is a given gift, not something we can buy or earn. It's free of charge. Yes. All righty. Would you read stanza four? Lord, when we fall or go astray, Absolve and lift us up, we pray, and through the sacrament increase our faith till we depart in peace. There, so you've, got, there you've got the office of the keys. Uh, the uh, What's the office of the keys? Office of the keys is what our Lord gives his church. Uh, that is the authority to uh, retain the heaven. sins. To what? Yeah, to open the gates of heaven, right? Uh, to retain the sins of uh, of people that are impenitent, and to uh, absolve the sins of those that are penitent. Yes, and he's really got an emphasis here that we are absolved, and through the sacrament increase our faith till we depart in peace. Right. Now, what faith is being increased when you receive? the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. That's that's the, the faith that clings to his promises. Every time you use the word promises, Mark, you know you're correct. 
<laughs> because you're right. I can't go wrong with that, can I? No, you can't. Because that is the distinction between Christianity and everything else. Everything else, the promises are based on your obedience. But in Christianity, the promises are based on God's grace. And you're saved by believing them. Yes. Now, notice very important. No matter how many sins you're guilty of, no matter what a dastardly past you have, if you you cling to those promises of forgiveness in Jesus Christ, you are saved. Yes. Something that's just unbelievable, and it got Jesus crucified. They, yeah. they couldn't understand how he could forgive tax collectors and prostitutes and this sort of thing, but he did because he not only loved them, but that was the purpose for his crucifixion. And that's why before every Lord's Supper, and we want you to explain this, there's always an absolution. Yes. Why is that? Well, because we want that person to understand that, that their sins are forgiven. Well we said. Want them, you, know, you know, Tom, I can't help but uh, think of the, the, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember that story? What a great story that is, that, right. uh, that Jesus talks about giving her the water of life, which, of course, is his, his promise, his gospel of forgiveness. And, uh, and you know, she knows— he, he knows all about her past, her five failed marriage, and the, the man that she's living with right now who's not even married to her, and, uh, and yet he's still reaching out to her. And that's what we're to do with our sermons, with our Bible studies, and in this case, with our hymns. Thank you very much, Pastor Mark Smith. We'll be joined together, hopefully next week, to look at that hymn. And on tomorrow, we're going to have an interesting subject for Wednesday's Law and Gospel. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.